The Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Rolling along here on a Thursday afternoon. It's the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Just about this time every single week, we are blessed to be joined by our buddy, Mr. Brian Backo. He, of course, of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, good friend of the show. What's up, cousin? How we doing on this Thursday? I'm doing all right. A little bit bummed out by the Steelers news. Although, hey, there's always you, you always got to look on the bright side of life. And uh, I'm going to be saving a lot of miles on the old buggy if I don't have to drive back and forth to Latrobe a bunch of times. Yeah, they're like we Moats and I were talking. I said, listen, to be fully transparent, it makes it makes things much easier on us on the broadcast side of things to just be in the studio as opposed to, you know, lugging equipment around in the middle of the fields when it's 90-degree weather. See, I thought that I was going to lug the equipment and we were going to, like, rent a house and we're just going to camp out the whole time, be out there, and it was going to be a great time. Would I, would, does that mean Jeez. that Bacco and I would be, like, the the media camp veterans and all of a sudden you'd be yeah. back on, like, you'd See? be carrying bags. I'd be on Ricky be, duty, oh, absolutely. I, that I thought that was pretty gonna, good, you know? Mr. Bacco. Now I'm That's really why I've been bummed. working out, so I can make sure I don't drop any of this equipment when I carry it. Could have been buying us dinner like the rookies right. have to do too. Oh, what's the uh, yeah? What's the place out there by the airport? The really good Italian place. Oh, oh yeah, uh, it's an Italian name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Italian place with an Italian name that serves Italian food. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it, it could have been called like from Italy. Or what's something. it called? <laughs> Denunzios. Denunzios. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Denunzios, baby. Yeah, Denunzios. That's where when I, I, I see, I thought all fine dining. I thought fine dining was Sharkies. Regular dining was D- uh, Dinos. I thought that's how it went. That's not how it goes out there. Well, no? those are. Uh, I guess, that's, that's kind of accurate as well. Yeah. Fine dining versus like your non-fine dining, right? Like, that's, yeah. That's how this is just, it. I guess, the the exquisite of the exquisite. Oh, oh. Uh, I yeah, first camp I I had. I think uh, Mike Tomlin signed a contract extension, and he went there to uh, to you know to have dinner to 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 celebrate the contract extension. And I was like, all right, well, that place must be pretty good if coaches go in there. Yeah. Uh, Brian Backo, we met out at training camp. I'm pretty sure myself and the Batman nope, a few years that's ago. False. Oh that wait, you're false. right. It was called. We them met out. in the hallway of OTAs. the UMC Rooney Sports Complex. Yeah, OTAs. Second floor. That's right. Remember it like it was yesterday. Second wow. floor. You could hear how much she had that, flowers. You could hear there. how much that meant for Brian compared <laughs> to how little how little that how meant you for stop? you. Gosh. You stop. He, no, he's absolutely right. He because knew the it was exact it was location. it was yes. It was either probably for rookie minicamp or for OTAs. Yes, correct. Uh Mr. Backo. Were, were you surprised when that news came down this morning? Um, I, I think we were all kind of torn, right? We, we know that it had to be approved, and it seemed like there was a stall in the process, and that usually is never a good sign with these type of things. But at the same time, we saw the Chiefs and the Cowboys being allowed to have their training camps off uh, off campus, if you will, right? Off their facility, uh, away from their facilities. Uh, were you surprised when you when you saw the news this morning? Yeah, I was. I mean, like you said, the the longer that it dragged on, the more ominous it became in, in terms of odds of, of going out to Latrobe. But uh, I thought they would at least be able to do something out there, whether it's the, the Friday night lights practice that they call it uh, at Latrobe High School Stadium um, or, or even just like 
a weekend or a week or, or something to, to give St. Vincent and, and the fine people of Unity Township uh, their Steelers fix after not getting it last summer. But, hey, I mean, it, I think there are a lot of moving parts to this. I know Steelers fans uh, are immediately going to lash out at the league in the NFL. I think there's probably NFLPA stuff at work here, too. And let's be honest, like, I think the players are, are probably on the same page as what we were mentioning a little bit ago. I think they are going to enjoy uh, getting to stay in, in Pittsburgh. I mean, there, there's something to be said for the team bonding aspect, but, you know, these, these guys probably are, are kind of on board with, uh, with the situation and the setup they had last year. Now, uh, Mr. Batko, from your perspective, what do you think was the deciding factor from the NFL where you would see a team like the Cowboys be allowed to go to California, whereas with us not being able to go to Latrobe? What do you think was the reasoning behind that? I mean, the biggest difference that I can see is, so the the Cowboys, I mean, they're not at a college as far as I know. They're at, like, just a facility out there in, in sunny Southern California, so maybe a lot of room to space out, spread out from the fans and things of that nature. The Chiefs, uh, I did some research on this. The college campus that they go to is like twice, maybe three times as big as St. Vincent. So, again, maybe there's more room for uh, social distancing. But let's be honest, what I think really matters is distance from the fans because uh, that's where you have to worry about not knowing uh, who's vaccinated, who's not, who's testing positive for COVID, all of those things. So, I mean, that's potentially something that, that is you know at play here the bills are another team that usually goes to uh, a small college uh, up there in rochester they decided not to go also citing nfl protocol so it, it really you know basically they got to the same destination as the steelers but they made it seem like it was more their decision and you know the, the steelers the way they're operating are kind of putting the onus on the nfl here so uh, th- those are all factors, I think, and yeah, I mean, it's certainly an inconsistency that is going to rub fans the wrong way, and uh, especially people who enjoy making a trek out there every year to watch camp. Uh, you know, they-, they are going to be the-, the wind came out of their sails, and I, I think the you know the-, the top of the organization with the Steelers too is uh, is a little bit disappointed that that tradition uh, remains on ice for another year at least. Oh, Mister Backo. All right, before we go on to other things, what's the one thing you'll miss most about Latrobe this summer? Uh, I think, and, and this is another Besides hanging out with I Wesley Euler every day, obviously. Yes. Yes. Other than that, um, you know, if, if this is something that affects our access to the team and to the players in a negative way, mm. then that's going to be another, uh, another down note about all of this. I mean, if this is an indication that it's going to be the same kind of environment for training camp meaning a whole lot of zoom calls you know watching from the press box or at Heinz Field or balcony at, at Rooney Sports Complex when, when you can't be right up on top of the action uh, then that's going to be a negative as well so uh, the back of my mind you know I threw out this hypothesis uh, on the North Shore Drive podcast I do every week uh, as opposed to that with Ray Fittipaldo football coaches as we know, are infamously paranoid about everything. And part of me wonders if last year they, they got to experience, you know, training camp basically behind closed doors. There was the one practice open to the fans. But I, I feel like you're going the way of, uh, you know, teams and coaching staff. They, they probably don't want 
to have 15 practices in front of fans who can, you know, re- report every little detail and record uh, every yeah. wrinkle that they're putting in. Mm-hmm. Am I right about those notes? You're absolutely right because I was going to say for us as players, we would get a little upset when a person might record <laughs> something from a drill and they don't know like what's particularly going on but they put it out there and then just no before context, you know yeah everybody has this second statement clip. and you're yeah. like bro like they're giving you grades on oh man well this guy sucked today look at this clip and you're like well he was actually working on leverage of this is what you're not supposed to do you know what i mean like we're, we're trying to fine-tune different things here but that type of stuff does get out there yeah. so yeah for a fact man players and coaches we we we're not too upset about here's like, the here's lack my of take access. On that. Social media has has absolutely changed that landscape. It has, forever. yes, yep. And not only that, but I mean, I think the old school mentality of hey, you know, bunker down and and only think about football, get away from your family, friends, distractions for two weeks. Like, I, I don't think that holds as much weight to these guys anymore as we want to operate kind of in secrecy without anybody really knowing what's going on and like transparency is is pretty much out the window so Hmm. uh, i think that you know if you made them if you made mike tomlin drink some truth here he might like uh that kind of just getaway factor but uh i I think there's maybe more to uh you know hey i'll just end it with this there's a reason why they put up that giant tarp or whatever you Uh want to call it uh, on the (laughs) south side facility I, i think you know mike tomlin is is right up there with a bunch of other coaches who uh, they want their uh, they want their secrecy, and you know they they, they don't want everything that they're working on to be out in the open all the time. No, for a fact, um, I've actually had that conversation with Coach Tomlin as well about training camp, late trobe, and things like that. And while he does value privacy, he says his biggest reason why he likes late trobe is because it makes us as a team have to interact with each other mm-hmm. on an intimate basis. When you're having to sleep and have like a roommate, when you're having to eat with these people yeah. every day, he said it forces you to build that type of bond and things like that, which I will say, I guess so, I guess <laughs> so. It's, it's, here's the thing, that's kind of an intangible discussion, but last year you didn't have that. Steelers started 11-0, so it's almost like everybody's gotten the t- – it's, it's just like the, the conversation that was happening ahead of OTAs and, and players bucking back against the idea of being in person for off-season training. Like, they've had a taste of what it's like without that. You know, at least from their perspective, everything went off without a hitch. It was just fine in the 2020 NFL season. And, you know, they don't want to all of a sudden start giving back all that freedom, I think. Brian Bacco of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette with us here on The Blitz. Mr. Bacco, one of the things uh, that you wrote about today in your mailbag, you were asked about the Steelers and kind of hearkening back to last season if they believe that the – lack of run game success was more attributed to the scheme or to the offensive line. What say you? I think it's some of both. And, and what we learned from mini camp here and from Adrian Clem is that, uh, you know, they, they are changing the way they're doing things in that room. But at the same time, the, the reason why that is kind of a double-edged sword is, yeah, I mean, you, you lost some guys off of that line with proven experience and, Marquise Pouncey, Alvo in the way of a Matt Filer, and you could argue whether that's a good thing because they did struggle to run block last year. But you know, even now as we get into late June, uh, less than a month from camp, most likely, it's not like you replaced them with proven guys. So uh, it seems like they're trying to thread a needle there of, of getting this thing right. And if anything, what 
they prioritized the most was the guy who's actually going to have the ball in his hands. I mean, that's what they used their, their first-round pick on, and, and Najee Harris, and everybody is, is talking him up, hyping him up. So uh, there's a whole lot that goes into it. Uh, the, the one thing that I think the 2020 season allows us to kind of roll out, remember 2019 when they were struggling to run it? It was like, man, you really miss having Ben Roethlisberger and the threat of the, threat of the deep <laughs> ball and even just the checks that he can make at the line. Well, guess what? Ben was there the whole year last year, and they still couldn't run the ball. So that's one you know, the thing that you can sort of roll out. And I guess we're going to get the answer as to, uh, I'll say, the other big three, and that's you know, schematics, play calling, Randy Beatner versus the O-line personnel versus the actual running back personnel. And 2021 will go a long way toward telling us uh, who, who the biggest culprit was and uh, what the biggest issue is that needs to be fixed. And continuing with the conversation of the offense and, more importantly, the offensive line, how concerned are you with David DeCastro's health when we see that the team brought in Trey Turner, who's a right guard, five-time pro bowler, on a visit? Yeah, I don't know how you can't have some level of concern, and it's it's not just the fact that he sat out all of the, the, the phase three of the offseason activities, but it's also – uh, that, he, that he didn't play well last year, missed some games. Um, you know, the couple times that we did talk to him on Zoom, he, he kind of shrugged that off. But there, there has to be, uh, you know, something to that. You know, the, the Trey Turner deal, maybe they are just kicking the tires on a guy the same way they did with Carl Joseph. They ultimately didn't pull the trigger on him. Uh-huh. We don't know, you know, what the state is of and all yeah, I mean, you, you have to be at least a little bit worried or, or maybe discouraged, I think, uh, by David DeCastro. Hey, maybe he'll come back and uh, look like the guy who's a, a two-time first-team All-Pro or whatever he is, but uh, there's no doubt that he's he's on the downswing of his career, and uh, you, you'd like to have gotten a little bit better news from him out of minicamp. Hmm. This is true. Yes, this that, is that is definitely true. That's what makes it unique, though. That's why I had, I had to ask my man right here. But I, I do have one more before we had got up out of here, man. And this is a little bit different than what we have been talking about. But the NFL has opened up bidding for the combine locations. Oh, gosh. Uh-oh. I mean, <laughs> if you had to pick a location, baby, where, 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 are you, where would you like to see the combine be relocated to? The first time in what? however many years this thing's been going on at Indy for decades on type of decades. So yeah. Where would you like to see it go? Mr. Batco. And, um, well, I'll say this much. If, if you want to throw Pittsburgh out there as a destination, just be careful. Cause every time I've tried to do any sort of reporting on the draft coming here, it seems like, uh, the, the major players can't really get on the same page as far as the city, uh, the league, the, the team. So, uh, I, I don't know that the Combine will be uh, making a 40-yard dash to Pittsburgh anytime soon. Ooh, I kind of like that. Oh, that did sound good right there. You got to use that in a headline. <laughs> All right, you got to write an article just to use that now. Yeah. Um, but as far as cities in the NFL, I'm trying to think of like ones that I haven't been to that I would really like to see. I've never really been up to the Pacific Northwest. Like Seattle probably won't get it because you know the, the idea of Indy is that it's so central. Yes, and it's indoors. And it's indoors. It's yeah. indoors. And it's indoors. Uh, well, I think probably any team could could manage to host an indoor combine, right? Like, I, I don't. I guess you would have to maybe expand some stuff at the indoor facility here in Pittsburgh. But like, you've got the convention center and, and all that deal. So um, yeah, I mean, hey, you, you can't go wrong with sunny Southern California. Although I, I do think LA is a little bit overrated as a destination. So uh, hey, and I guess the, the obvious one. Vegas, baby. The league is in Vegas 
now. So Vegas has a uh, dome. No, they have a Mr. dome. Backo, Vegas has on. a dome. Mr. Backo, the obvious one is Indianapolis, Indiana. Why can't we ever leave good alone? Because great is better. Come on, bro. Oh, it's a great city. It's perfect. No, for those no, type no. Of you things. said leave good you alone. It's good. Like Mr. Backo and I, we go out to the combine five, six days. We park. We don't have to drive the whole time we're there. You get to see basketball games. You get to get shrimp cocktail. It's you St. said Elmo's. basketball games. It's the Pacers playing. It's not basketball, man. Come on, get out of here, bro. <laughs> better than what we got in Pittsburgh. This is true. But come on, there are uh, there are some other fine cities out there. How about? Nashville. I'm a big Nashville. Oh, no, because Nashville, Nashville is a jungle. It's way overpopulated. It's way too busy all the time. Indy is perfect. That sounds like fun. Sounds horrible. I don't I like these people. Also, <laughs> he, he, he wants to move it to like Utah or Wyoming. That's no, where it sounds like West one. West wants it somewhere is by itself. The city and, in the United States that was built to host events, literally built to host events. Indianapolis, <laughs> Indiana. <laughs> Miami, well, uh, maybe Vegas as well, too. All right, all right, I'll, that's the one, Mr. Becco. You can twist I my like arm. Vegas. If I've got to fly to the Combine and not just an easy five-hour drive, let me go to Vegas. Easy uh, five-hour drive? That's five not hours? easy drive. That's a long drive. Five hours is that's nothing. A long drive. Come on, that ain't bad. Fly me. Fly me. Fly me to Vegas. Fly me. Uh, Mr. Becco, okay, last one real quick, actually, before we let you go. Uh, Motsi and I had some fun out on the golf course earlier. We told some stories on Tuesday. How's the golf game, cousin? Uh, not great, but uh, I, I played around in an outing a couple weeks ago. Luckily, it was a scramble. Used one or two of my uh, mid-range shots and, and maybe a putt or two. I've got my annual vacation round of golf coming up in, in the 757 nice. uh, a couple weeks from now. So hopefully I hit them a little straighter then. Buddy, great stuff. Make sure you're checking out Brian Backo's article on the Steelers golf game in the PG, as well as getting involved with his mailbag. Uh, great stuff, buddy. Appreciate your time as always, and we'll talk soon. And SNR is worldwide, so if you catch me at Hell's Point Golf Club in Virginia Beach, uh, say hello. There you go. And buy him around while you're at it. Thanks, buddy. Later, fellas. There he is, Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Great stuff from him, as always. Ah, he vacationed at the 757, huh? Smart man. This is a smart man smart right man. there. Smart man right there. Uh, on Twitter, at Wes Sealer, at TheBody52. The body. If you want to get in on any of the stuff we've discussed today, training camp, our under-25 uh, team, the NFL.com's under-25 team, I should say, as we continue this year, Arthur Motes continuing to look at this tight end. <sighs> TJ Hawkinson is the answer of NFL.com. Uh Darren Waller was the guy last year, but he is now out of the range of age. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I know a fan. I was going to say, I think I'd go fan over Hawkinson, the two Iowa boys. This might be one of those conversations where you could legitimately make an argument for Kyle Pitts, (laughs) even though he hasn't taken a snap in the NFL. But I I think I would go Noah Fant. I'm with you on that. I like Hawkinson, but I think Noah Fant could be really good. I think he could be. Because their numbers are similar. The difference is. TJ played the full 16, started 16, whereas Noah 15 uh, only played in 15 games, only started 14 of them. But, yeah, they're close. Gosh. They are. The two Iowa boys yeah, are, 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 are similar. I mean, that's got to be a cool little vibe too, right? That is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, those guys, that's got to be cool. Like throughout their careers, that'll, Always be, get that'll, be, that'll be pretty sweet. Yeah, and they're both first-round yeah. draft picks from the same school at the same position. I say I like Noah a little bit better. I like so Noah I'm, a little I'll bit I'll probably more. lean on Noah, man. That's, maybe that's because we got to see it firsthand. And he scored a nice touchdown yeah, against may, the Steelers. Maybe that's, that that's a good is point it. By you. 
But it's yeah, to me, you. I'm just like I've seen what Noah could do in stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I like Noah Fan, but I tell you what, you can't go wrong with either of those guys. And this time next year, I got a feeling we'll be talking about those two and Kyle Pitts. Besides, in terms Noah of this had the worst quarterback between the two. I agree with you on that yeah. one. You say what you want about Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. He's better than uh than Mr. I put on for my city, Drew Locke. No, remember, it wasn't even him the whole time. Well, they had, it, we had the other guy. Point. was it Driscoll. Dr- Jeff Driscoll was doing it for us, or them versus us. That's yeah. a good point. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, offensive tackles, two of them, Arthur Motes and uh, – I think this is pretty quick, pretty easy. Makai Becton, Tristan Wirfs. <sighs> Am I missing somebody? You you gave me the side like I'm missing somebody. No, 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 you were good. It was just anytime I think of Makai Becton, it's, I just I know, he's tougher. He's yeah. the one. Wirfs is the slam dunk. Right, Wirfs is definitely the slam dunk. Yeah. But Becton, I'm like, ah. But I'm, like, a lot of these guys, like Orlando Brown is off this list now. Right, because he's too old, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who else could be. We kind of had a lull there for a couple years where there weren't the typical, you right. know, Couple top ten offensive tackle prospects, like nineteen, mm. eighteen and nineteen. I, I ah, this is dicey. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this one right here, man. Let, let me, because ah, the twenty five and under—that's the part two. The twenty five, twenty five and under is the kicker. Because Orlando, that will be the one that just jumps off to me. But I'm like, no, he, he's not. And I don't think Ronnie Stanley's in that age group anymore, mm. is he? I think he's probably twenty six. He's twenty seven now. Just turned 27 a couple months ago. I'm about to say Laramie, he's older. Laramie Tunsil's is, what, 26? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jeez, is it him? Is it? Ryan Ramchek isn't. He's got to be 27, 28, right? <sighs> yeah, he's definitely. Yeah, Both yeah, the yeah. Saints guys. Teron Armstead, too? Yeah, uh, Ramchek is 27. Jeez. Armstead maybe he is, the guy is 29. Wow. Yeah. Man, they grow up so fast. Wow. Maybe he is the guy. Is he the guy? I think he is. Dwarfs is definitely one of the guys. For a fact. For a fact. For a fact. Oh, it might might be. It might be. I'm trying to think who else it would be. Garrett Bowles. How old is Garrett Bowles? Garrett Bowles, 28. Is he 28? Yeah, he's 28. He's about to be 29, I think. He just turned 29 at the end of May. And then Jack Conklin's 26. Correct. He's out. So, yeah, I guess it has to be. I think it has to be. Wow! I tell you what, wow! We, we need some infusion of some. Wow. Uh, we need some infusion of some good young offensive tackles in a National Football League. But you got to think too. Offensive linemen Larry typically. Tunsil's passed it. Well, I was gonna say offensive linemen typically play four years though, four to five years, whereas these skill positions is just three years and out. Correct. So you get those guys coming in at 21, 22, whereas most old linemen when they come in, they're typically a little bit older. Right. That's just how. That's it, true. That's it's a lot goes, more 22 man. and 23 yeah. year olds as opposed to the the that's 20. And you don't see a lot of Devin Bush 20 year old yeah. offensive linemen coming well, into the just league. Just the development of it, man. Yeah. Like they're big guys. They got to get used to the speed of it. They got to get used to their body getting stronger and things like that, man. It's it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Guards Mike Onwenu of the Patriots and Damian Lewis of the Seahawks. Well, that's because Quentin is going to be over 25. That's because Quentin is going to yes. be over 25. Yes. I was Correct. about to say, wait a minute. Yeah, the, the, I had to wait. I was yes. like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think, in fact, he did, I think <laughs> yes. he did turn 25 this offseason. But hold on, hold on. Say, say the other one again. The second one was uh, Damian Lewis from the Seahawks. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Because I, I was thinking about the cat from um, from Green Bay. Elgerton uh, was a Jenkins. Yes. But I don't know if he's 25 or not. Let me. How, how does he spell his first name? It's like E-L-G-T. It's like a, okay. it's definitely a T in there. Yeah. Here we go. I got him right but here. But I think he's like in that 24, 25 I range got as well, him right, right here. He turned 25 in December. Oh, 
So he just missed the well. So he missed, missed the, the cut, cut by a few yeah. months. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's, like you said, there. When it comes to these offensive line positions, yeah. it's a small crop to choose from. It really is. The center, though, I think is easy. Eric McCoy. Uh, he started in all, I think, thirty. Would it be thirty-two regular season games? See, the only reason 16, it's easy is because playoffs. the only reason it's easy to me is because Frank Ragnall. That's the uh, the cat yeah. in Detroit. He missed the he cut. He missed the cut. Because he's already 25. Right. And if we're going to stay true to that. Yes, because that's what we said. Like we we're did with Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely. We, we cut off old Patty Mahomes. Hey, we're cutting him off. So you're right. You're right. Even though I don't necessarily like it in this scenario, it is correct. <laughs> so that's our the offense. The Saints got a nice little group down there, Dude, though, Dude, the Saints they offensive nice line, best in the NFL. You can make a case for it. They're, yeah. they're in that conversation. They, man. At least. Uh, Tampa's in that Tampa's conversation, too, though, man. Too, Tampa, man. They, they are solid As up we front, saw man. last year. Yeah, they really are. Those those feel like the two that, that really stand out, mm-hmm. at least now, ahead of the season. Uh, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, it is the Steelers Blitz here on SNR. Rolling along here. Uh, you want to get at us on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. body. All right, here we go. Steeler Nation 920 tweeted us and said, out of these four, you got to pick two. Okay. And two gots to go. Gots to go. Heinz Ward. Mm-hmm. San Antonio Holmes. Okay. Lynn Swan. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Big Chess. Give me Big Chess Antonio and Hines. Brown. Big Chess and Hines. Day. I think that's my answer, the other too. The two got to go. Because for me, I still make the case of who is the greatest Steeler receiver because that was something we've talked about. And we said, well, hey. Depends on how you Hines, define like, greatness, Because it's right? like if we're going off of just numbers, well, Hines is the guy. But if we're going off of eyeball test, impact, and just overall ranking of the Skill NFL, level, yeah. like it's A-B. Yes, and if we're going off accomplishments – then will you make another case? Then, well, then, it, then you start getting – you can get back well, and, the And 70s. it goes back – and also I think the Hines versus A.B. conversation reminds me of the James Harrison versus Joey Porter conversation. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. James Harrison is the dominant higher stealer. Ce- higher ceiling higher just ceiling as, as a pure stealer. athlete and football player. Right, but yeah. if you look at Joey Porter as a total – Joey had the better career, like and in terms got, of numbers. He's got and the stuff. ring and the playoff right. success as well, too. But then Debo obviously has the Defense Player of the Year award as well. So it's 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 a unique. I like that conversation that we're having. Right I do here, too. I, I like I, it a lot. And I will say this, and you guys know, I've said before, he's he's perhaps my favorite person I've ever interviewed. He was the first Steelers jersey I ever bought with my own money. Mm-hmm. I love San Antonio Holmes. Tone time. Tone in the back of the end zone was 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 my Steelers moment. It was a week before my 18th birthday. It was a couple months before I graduated high school. And me and all my buddies having the time of our lives as the Steelers won the Super Bowl for the second time in our high school tenure. I love Tone. All right, but he's he's the first one that um that I'm probably he, I, I, like he'd probably be number four for me on this list. I I kind of think it's a three horse debate because Tone was great for a few years. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about four studs like this, right, you've got to start kind of splitting hairs. Tone has the Super Bowl ring, the Super Bowl MVP in that moment. But in, but his resume, I think, compared to the other three, doesn't really hold up in terms of the full body of work. Correct. Yeah. That's that's the big difference right there, man. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I uh, love when we have those conversations, though. We know we're going to have this. This conversation is going to come up in about a month. It is. It's going to come up. Listen, before you know it, folks, we're going to blink and we're going to be in July. And then Moats and I are going to be doing a lot of the, the top 10, all that stuff before we get to mm-hmm. training camp, before we have real tangible football to talk about. And we'll get back into all that embrace. Deba- I can't wait till we do our top 10 wide receivers in the NFL right fun, right bro. now. It's going to be Because they're, oh, man, there's five or six just Dude, absolute wide studs. Like, honestly, our top 10 list at each, I feel like wide receiver, mm-hmm. quarterback, linebacker, edge rusher. <laughs> corners yeah. like 
It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. And July is right around the corner, so top 10 week Mm -hmm. can't be far away. But what we're going to do here is we're going to take our final break of the show. When we come back here, we'll talk about the all, uh, we'll talk about the under 25 defensive side of the football. Spoiler alert the Steelers are represented. Who is it? Is it one person? Is it two people? Is it three people? Not one, not two, not three, not four. We'll get to uh, more of your tweets, and we'll continue to talk about the best young football players on the defensive side of the football on the other side. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, it's the Steelers Blitz on SNR.